Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Sally A. from South Jersey and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, June 15, 2016. We will resume reading from the AA Big Book and we are reading on page 72 in the chapter Into Action, the first paragraph, having made our personal inventory. What shall we do about it? One paragraph only. So today's readers are for the 12 steps, Amanda R., 12 traditions, Lisa B., and our readers of the text will be Rachel N. M., Esther C., and Elaine B. The reference number for Wednesday, June 15th is 8833. The OA preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Amanda R. to read the 12 steps. Amanda? Good morning. This is Amanda R., and I am a recovered compulsive eater in Maine. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible except when to do so would injure them or others. 10. Continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters 
and practice these principles in all our affairs. Thanks, I passed. Thank you, Amanda R. And I will now ask Lisa B, L-E-S-A, Lisa, to read the 12 traditions. Thank you. Good morning. This is Lisa B, a recovered compulsive overeater in South Carolina. The 12 traditions of OA. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants they do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never to be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Lisa. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderator is one year and for readers is six months. There's no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today, we will resume our study of the AA Big Book on page 72. We are in the chapter, Into Action, and we will be reading the first paragraph, having made our personal inventory, what shall we do about it? And I will ask Rachel N.M. to get us started with reading one paragraph on the top of page 72 in the chapter, Into Action. Rachel? 
Good morning, everyone. This is Rachel and M. I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater and anorexic. Having made our personal inventory, what shall we do about it? We have been trying to get a new attitude, a new relationship with our Creator, and to discover the obstacles in our path. We have admitted certain defects. We have ascertained in a rough way what the trouble is. We have put our finger on weak items in our personal inventory. Now these are about to be cast out. This requires action on our part, which, when completed, will mean that we have admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our defects. This brings us to the fifth step in the program of recovery mentioned in the preceding chapter. Well, I think it's very interesting that this says these are about to be cast out, and then the next sentence says this requires action on our part. We ask God in step seven to remove every single defect of character that now stands in the way of our usefulness to others and to him. Um, it's very interesting that even though we depend upon God to do the removing, that it requires action. And I think most of us have found that when we don't take action, God doesn't take action either. And so we have a responsibility um, after we make a simple but thorough inventory to give it to another human being. And even though this was very scary for me, this was very powerful um, to give it away to another person. And then after that, we can trust God to remove the defects of character. And even though they're not removed, all of them instantly, I have found God to be very faithful in removing them and giving me a new and happier way of life. I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Rachel and M. Who else would like to share on this paragraph? Dina S. Laura W. Elaine B. Okay, I didn't hear that third person. I've got Tina S., Laura W., and the third person. Amy G. Amy G. Elaine Good B. morning. Elaine B. And anyone else? Larry. Larry, good morning. Anyone else? Sarah W. Monica. Sarah W. And who's that other person? Monica T. Monica, good morning. Okay, let's morning. go with that lineup. That's a nice long lineup. Melissa C. Melissa, I'll put you on the end of that. Can we go ahead and get started? Otherwise, we'll spend the meeting just taking names. Tina S., let's get started. And Laura W., you'll be up next, then Amy G., then Elaine B., then Larry, then Sarah W., then Monica, then Melissa. Tina S., let's get started. Thanks, Sally. Tina S., compulsive reader, anorexic in Florida, into action. You know, I love this. Is There's some work to be done here, and, and that's what my sponsor told me. You know, we can't just sit back and, and expect this stuff to happen, which I certainly was wanting to do. You know, I just wanted to get it from you. And um, I like what it talks about here. It says, you know, tell me what I'm trying, what I'm doing here. You know, we have been trying to get a new attitude, a new relationship with our creator. You know, this is what I'm trying to do here, you know, because it tells me in the 12 step, having had a spiritual awakening, you know, so I need a relationship with a power greater than myself, you know, which will solve my problems. And, I, and, it, and then it also says that I'm going to discover the obstacles in my path. You know, this is what's blocking me from God. This is the reason that, you know, God's not doing in my life is because he's blocked, you know, and I'm, I'm self-will run riot for sure. You know, and it says that we'd a, we've ascertained in, in a rough way what the trouble is. 
you know, and and that they're about to be cast out. You know, this is the good news. This is the good news. But the deal is that I got to continue on with the rest of the steps so this can happen for me. And you know, uh, I'm so grateful today that one day at a time I have an opportunity not to be that same person I was and to have a power greater than myself um, run my life today whenever I'm willing to let him. So with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Tina S. And Laura W., you're up. And Amy G., you'll be up next. Good morning, everyone. It's Laura W. in South Jersey. Thanks, Sally, for your service. Um, Gosh, this paragraph, it's really, there's so many conditions in this book. I think of, if I do this, then this will happen. You know, there's, there's a condition. This requires action on our part. These things are going to be cast aside. These troubles are going to be cast aside. All of my character defects will be cast aside if I do something, and this requires action. And if I take the action, then I'll get the results. So, you know, I like the fact that um, there's a lot of background noise, just to let somebody know. Um, If I do this, then something will happen. And ascertain means to find out uh, for certain, to make sure of. So if I've admitted my certain defects, I've made sure in a rough way. This hasn't been an easy process. These first four steps have not been, you know, uh, have not been simple. They're they're very very uh, laid out very directly to us, but they're not they're not easy. It takes a lot of work on our part, but you know I, the results are there and the results will come. Um, like it says, if our own house is in order, and it tells us here we are at step five. You know, and um, I just wanted to say that you know. It really requires it really requires not just the action, but there's conditions to this whole program. Um, it's not just given to me. I have to do the work. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Laura. And I'm going to ask the line, all of those who are on, on here, if you would please mute yourselves. That's all the little weird noises we're getting is largely because there's just a lot of, um, there's too many people unmuted. So if you could mute yourself, the only one that should be unmuted now is Amy G. Whoever is chopping their carrots for lunch, please mute yourself. Can you hear me, Sally? I can hear you. Is that Amy G? Yeah, that's Amy G. Okay, good morning. I'm still hearing chopping in the kitchen. Hello, KitchenAid. I hope they're chopping vegetables. (laughs) Okay. Mute. One moment, please. Okay, thank you, Leah. And Amy G. and Elaine B., you'll be up next. Go ahead, Amy. Hi, Sally. Thanks for your service. My name is Amy G. I'm a compulsive, recovered compulsive reader from Maryland. Can you hear me? I sure can. Go ahead. Okay, so I'm I'm unmuted. Okay, great. Um, Thank you so much for your service, and, uh, you know, wow, into action. This is, uh, I mean, we're here. We're at the fifth step. This is where the rubber meets the road. This is where we pray to God and row to shore. You know, we, we get in front of someone, and we do this fifth step. And I don't know about you all, but by the time I got to my fifth step, it was very clear to me, you know, the way of it, which was that there is much more to this disease than meets the mouth. You know, there were all my attitudes, actions, and behaviors, all of those character defects that were my obstacles to my higher power and why was that so important to remove that obstacle because as I'm learning of this disease of compulsive overeating that I need a power greater than myself to restore me to sanity and the only way to get to that higher power is to block is to get rid of those obstacles those character defects of selfishness and self-centeredness 
that were revealed in my fourth step and that I better get to it. I needed a personality change. I didn't need a new diet. I didn't need the next, you know, new, you know, crazy diet or whatever. I didn't, I didn't need, didn't need behavior modification. I needed a personality change sufficient to, to bring about recovery. I needed a personality change, and the only way I was going to do that was to seek a higher power and have a new relationship with a higher power so that I could be relieved of that insanity of compulsive overeating. So here I have the exact nature of my defects in my fourth step, and boy, I couldn't wait to get that stuff turned over and up and out of me and have it revealed so that I could continue on with the rest of the steps and get to the point where I could have some peace of mind and freedom from this mental obsession which is the key here. I need to be free of the mental obsession because left to my own devices, I would find myself back into the binge food. And like someone else was saying earlier, this is awesome stuff. This is where we get into moving forward, stepping forward, and being closer to the promises that this program offers. I just needed to follow the instructions. And I couldn't wait to sit down with someone and say, here it is. It's laid out here. It's laid out here. Help me change, you know. God, relieve me of the bondage of self. And with that, I will pass. Thanks for letting me share. Thanks, Amy G. And Elaine B., you're up, and Larry, you'll be up next. Thank you for your service, Sally. Elaine B., recovered in Massachusetts. And, you know, I think it's interesting here into action. Um, Wasn't the four-step action? (laughs) It was a lot of writing. We revealed a lot about ourselves as we ended the last chapter it talked about. But, um, you know, I'm in an area where the approach to doing the four-step took me a really long time. I did years of of four-step writing. And um, I saw a lot. I saw a lot of character defects. I revealed a lot about myself to myself. But you know what? Self-knowledge was not enough for me to get a personality change sufficient to bring about recovery. In this book, it talks about we're trying to have a new attitude, a new relationship with our creator. And I had a relationship with God for many years. But I'm one of the ones who, with 120 extra pounds on my body, there was something obviously wrong, even though I had, you know, major changes in other areas of my life, there still was clearly something wrong. There was a defect that was very obvious to me and everybody around me. And that's what it says in here. You know, we want to find the exact nature of our defects. And so in the fourth step, we begin to look at them. But if you have a product that's defective, where do you want to go? You want to go back to the manufacturer. You want to go back to the creator. And you know, you want to get your cartoons, you want to go back to a place that really knows how to do that and who better than our creator to get us in alignment. Our creator knows exactly what places have run amok. We knew that the place of food had run amok, but we don't realize that it's driven by all these other forms of fear, doubt, insecurity. And those are the things that we need a realignment. My, I had a huge spiritual um, awakening as I did my fifth step, which we're talking about here, as I began to share with my sponsor my character defects, and she began to reflect back to me a new way of thinking, a new way of looking at this. And I, as I continue um, doing this work every day in the form of the 10 step, I get beyond myself my own self-knowledge, my own understanding. And yes, even the intuitive direction I get from God, which is always helpful. This is always turning back to God. 
but sometimes he directs me to call somebody who has an experience that I've had, who has a defect, who's overcome it with a new way of thinking, with a new outlook on life. And that's what we're looking for, not just with the food. We have a daily reprieve from the food, but we have a daily reprieve from all of our character defects, those traits we go back to again and again and again to survive in this world until we can get in right alignment with our creator and we don't have to run them up with financial insecurity or people-pleasing or all these other defects that have really haunted me. And one day at a time, I'm improving. One day at a time is better. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Elaine B. And Larry, it's your turn. And Sarah W., you'll be up next. Thanks, Sally. Appreciate it. Larry K., um, Recovered Compulsive Reader uh, from Chicago. So Bill uses, what I notice in this paragraph, he uses a number of different words which, which really mean the same thing. Um, in step five, of course, you know, it talks about the exact uh, nature of our wrongs. And in this paragraph, um, it says the exact nature of our defects. So throughout the book, um, he'll use a number of words. He'll use, he uses the words faults, wrongs, mistakes, defects. I mean, they all mean the same thing. And what they mean to me is, is whatever blocks us off from God and others. And, 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 you know, so when I look at these things, the key thing for me, too, is the exact nature of them. Because what's important to me, too, that I know is to be vague was a huge part of my disease. You know, um, I might deal with some of it, but I wanted to be very, very vague about about this. And and that's why exact is a is an important word. Um, I don't want to read too much, uh, you know, in terms of perfect into that, but I do I do want to focus on being exact. Um, so, for example, you know, um, you know, when I if I want to deal around the periphery of, of an issue that I know is an issue for me, it's down there in paper. I got it down in step four, right? Um, and I was specific about it. But in, in, in sharing it with, as in step five, with God, myself, and others, I want to be a little bit vague because, after all, I don't want you to know the exact nature of my wrong. And, you know, that kept me stuck in the quicksand of this disease. That vagueness kept me stuck in the quicksand of this disease. In, or if I want to get unblocked and I want to have access to that power source, which is my higher power, which is going to make all the difference in the world in terms of this disease, I have to be clear about the specificity of my wrongs, my defects, those faults that I see, because that's going to be able, through this process sequentially, that's going, is, is what ultimately is going to lift me from the quicksand. I have to be pulled out from the quicksand. And God is going to do that. He's going to remove my defects of character as, as God sees fit in God's timing. But if I'm, if I'm vague about it, then I'm, I still am tethered to those, to those uh, defects. So with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thanks, Larry. Sarah W., it's your turn. And Monica, you'll be up next. Good morning, Sally. Good to hear you on the line. This is Sarah W., Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Um, I wanted to focus in on the one uh, sentence where it says, we have been trying to get a new attitude, a new relationship with our creator, and to discover the obstacles of our path. And there's a great song, I think, from the 70s that says, I need a new attitude. I can't sing it, and I don't think you want to hear me sing it. But I just was thinking about that. You know, I needed a new attitude, totally. 
because, um, you know, I never saw the world in a grateful way, ever. And um, I had a wonderful experience with, with the many good steps that I've done, but I remember my first one. I was so terrified, and it was such an incredibly miraculous experience for me. Um, I got lost in the apartment complex that I went to go and do it with the person I was doing it with. Um, and after I got it done, and it was almost like the weight had been lifted off my shoulders. And I, I wanted to talk about the idea of, in 1953, the 12 and 12 was written, and what we're talking about is step five, which is admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. And the very first sentence in that, it says, all of AA's 12 steps ask us to go contrary to our natural desires. They all deflate our egos. And, you know, I have not met uh, a compulsive overview yet uh, that hasn't had that experience in working the steps. And I've started a couple of areas that I just thought I would say, because they're so beautiful in the 12 and 12, it says on page 56, few muddled attitudes have caused us more trouble than holding back on step five. Some people are unable to stay sober at all. Others will relapse periodically until they really clean house. And then on page um, uh, 58, it says, um, another great dividend we may expect from confiding our defects to another human being is humility which is often misunderstood. And that is pervasive throughout the whole the whole process. And the thing that comes into my mind is I had to learn that sometimes I have to do things that I don't want to do. But that is what has really offered me the ability to have a new relationship with my creator because I need a higher power because I am not a higher power for anybody for myself. There's a great reality is deep within, but it's not me. And then um, another area that I have pinpointed that was so important to me is we were still bothered by fear, self-pity, hurt feelings. It was probable. We couldn't appraise ourselves fairly at all. Too much guilt and remorse might cause us to dramatize and exaggerate our shortcomings. And I was always in the process of regret, excuse me, regret or shaming myself. And and then it says, the last thing I'll say, and then I'll, I'll, I'll step off is, it is on page 60, it says, it is worth noting that people of very high spiritual development almost always insist on checking with friends or spiritual advisors the guidance they feel they have received from God. And that has been my experience. So thank you very much for letting me share, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you for your service, Sally. Thank you, Sarah W. Good to hear your voice, too. And Monica, it's your turn, and then we'll hear Melissa. Good morning, Sally. Good morning, everyone. My name is Monica T., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater here in Florida. Chapter 6, Into Action. And I was told to underline that little word, action, and I was also told to write in my book, you know what? It's not, it doesn't say into thinking and it's not into feeling, Monica. It's action. So you got to do things. So we've been trying to get a new attitude 
a new relationship with our creator and to discover the obstacles in our path. You know, that's the goal of this book is to help me get a relationship with a higher power, a relationship with God. Because I learned way back in step one that I was absolutely 100% powerless over this obsession of my mind. And I need to be able to tap into a power that's greater than me that can remove this. And how is that going to happen? It's by working these steps. So it says, we go, we have admitted certain defects. We have ascertained, discovered, determined in a rough way what our trouble is. So yeah, so I've just got done writing my fourth step inventory, doing turnarounds, and in my turnarounds, oh my God, you know, God started uh, giving me new lenses here. I started to see things. Oh my God, I, how selfish I am. How dishonest I am. All the self-seeking things that I do, I gossip, I lie, I criticize, I judge. I wasn't aware of all of this. Now, this was shown to me in step four. So I've, you know, I've, I've discovered a lot of things. So now what am I going to do with all this stuff I've discovered about myself? And the big book is telling us, now these are about to be cast out. Remember, you're only on step four, Monica. You know, you're in this big black mass pit here, and you need, you got 12 steps are going to get you out of this pit. It requires action on our part, which when completed will mean that we have admitted, and this is step five here, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. And the principle for step five is integrity. Integrity means what? Honor, honesty. You know, I'm, I've discovered I'm very dishonest, but you know what? Honesty will kill this disease. So this brings us to the fifth step in the program of recovery. Remember, Monica, recovery is your goal. So keep moving, Monica. Keep moving. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Monica. And Melissa? Melissa? Hi, good morning, are you able to hear me? I can hear you. Hi, great. Good morning, Sally. Good morning, everyone. It's Melissa State, a recovered compulsive overeater in New York. And, um, you know, um, up until this point, I was really good at um, knowing who to tell my story to when I did decide to tell my story. You know, I would tell it with a skewed lens. Um, I was really careful to make sure that I looked really good in this story and that everybody else looks bad. And that is definitely not, you know, uh, identifying the exact nature of my wrong. And so this was a very different process than um, how I used to, you know, um, hold on to people and tell them pieces about me. Um, this is very, very different. Um, and so, you know, we're promised um, that this is going to help me create a, a better relationship, a true relationship with my higher power. Not a better body, not a better food plan. And, you know, it's interesting because I came here um, because I was overweight, because I was fat, and I was miserable. And many people that, you know, I work with, that I talk with, um, that's the motivation. And, um, and we can't, I know I can't get too distracted by um, food and weight. Like that part has to be just, it's got to be down, it's got to be 100%. Um, 
you know, and I know, like, I know for myself when I was working this step, um, I kept wanting to get on the scale like a crazy person um, because I really didn't want to do the work. I didn't want to take the action and identify, you know, the exact nature of my wrongs. That that I had a hand. I played a very big part in in the story of my life, and that I was going to have to take action. And it meant um, for me, it meant. Getting away from the scale, like actually getting to the real business about who I was and what I was doing, and stop making more inquiries about my food. Like I had already set up what my food plan was. It was not a time to think um, that I could try something different here. Um, and so that, I mean, that for me was like a big game changer when um, I worked this step and I sat down with my sponsor. Um, and, you know, and, and we got to the real business about what it was. It wasn't just um, like a news report about what happened, but um, causes, you know, causes and conditions, and it was always me. It pointed right back to me. And, um, you know, and so that's the conversation that I need to continue to have with recovered people. When I call somebody feeling upset about a problem, um, I, I – Value people that quickly take me back to me. Stop complaining about your coworkers, Melissa. What's your part? Thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa. And we'll take a few more shares on this paragraph before we move to the next paragraph. Would anyone else like to share? Nessa can I share? Nessa R. I heard Nessa R. Thank Chris you. Chris Kimsey. I heard Chrissy. I'm trying to write a staff name here. I heard Chrissy. I heard Kim. Kitty. I heard Bella. I heard Erini. Is there anyone else there? Lynn S. Lynn S. Okay. Lynn S. Nessa R. Chrissy. Kim. Bella. Erini. Lynn S. Okay, let's go with those. Nessa R. You're up. And Chrissy, you'll be up next. Good morning, Vision for You. My name is Nessa R., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Um, there are so many benefits to um, to Step 5. Um, I can think of four <laughs> off the top of my head uh, in no particular order. You know, the first one is gaining in humility um, through the ego deflation that goes along with sharing my innermost secrets um, with with somebody else, you know, um, all these things that I feel shame, guilt, and remorse over. Um, another benefit, uh, as it says here, is the best reason first, if we ki- skip this vital step, we may not overcome drinking. So um, I need this. I need this to, to stay abstinent, and I need this as part of my recovery, and that's, that's a huge benefit. Um, other benefits that I found um, was um, telling this to somebody um, who understands and who empathizes because, you know, I came in thinking that I was unique, that nobody felt the way I felt, nobody did what I did, not only with the food but with everything else. And then to have a sympathetic, empathetic ear saying, yeah, me too, you know, all that um, shame, guilt, and remorse kind of fell away because I thought, oh, my gosh, you know, like I'm not a horrendous, horrible person. And, you know, that was just... um, Right, honey? 
hello. Um, that was just a, 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 such an amazing feeling. And then finally, um, you know, it says here um, to discover the obstacles in our path. You know, I, I did my best um, going through through the charts, you know, through the uh, through the step four. But you know, I was still. I was still stuck in some places in my justifiable anger, my self-righteous indignation, um, you know, entrenched in my but I am right attitude. And in step five, my job is not to convince my sponsor or whoever's listening to, to, to my stuff that I am right and I was hard done by and my life is hard. That is not my job at all. If I, if I think that's my job, then, you know, I'm, I'm never going to, get out of, of, of this uh, situation I'm in. Um, and a sponsor or, or a, another person has an objective perspective that can tell me this is where you're stuck. This is, this is where you're being selfish, self-seeking, dishonest, and fearful, and can open my eyes to a brand new perspective of looking at the events in my life and can teach me how to look at the events of, in my life in that way so that I can, so that I can move on. I can become unstuck, and those obstacles can fall away. So I can recover, and I pass. Thank you, Nessa R. Christy, your turn, and Kim, you're up next. Thank you, um, Sally. I'm Christy, recovered compulsive eater and anorexic from New Jersey. And um, what was um, really sticking out for me um, as we were reading this and talking about this was the line that says that our troubles are of our own making. And I think that was the really big help that I got from my higher power to see that, that my troubles were of my own making. So I couldn't continue to go on blaming, to really believe it, I should say, not just see it, but really believe it. Because then I couldn't go on blaming other people for my problems. And then I, you know, the good news was, that I had responsibility for it, and that was also the bad news. So I had to um, really swallow a lot of hard truths that I needed to be accountable for my own happiness. Oh, my gosh, that was that was really a big eye-opener. I just thought that, you know, if I was sweet and kind and feminine and caring and giving and all of those things that make you in my family of origin a good woman that I would be taken care of. And um, that set me up to get hurt. That that believing that was causing me lots of trouble. And so it's so interesting because it's not, it's not a pity party or a time to beat up on myself because I was in some ways sold a false bill of goods. You know, but now this is where I think it gets straightened out. And I'm just so grateful for it. Thanks. With that, I pass. Thank you, Chrissy. And Kim, it's your turn. And Bella, you'll be up next. Good morning, Sally. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. We have ascertained in a rough way what the trouble is. Now these are about to be cast off. This requires action on our part. You know, this it's so important. I love how Monica always talks about it's not into feeling. It's not into remembering. It's into action. And you know, often when someone calls me and they're struggling and they say, well, I'm working my program really hard. And I say, well, what does that mean? And they tell me the number of meetings they go to. They tell me the number of phone calls that they've made. 
They tell me about their food plan and their food prep, which is important. But remember, food plan, food prep is only addressing the allergy. It's not addressing the mental obsession. So I had, you know, it's the program of recovery is the steps. When we say we're working our program hard, shouldn't we talk about our step work? And unfortunately, my, my opinion, we have, we have made a 12-step program into an eight or nine tool program, how many tools we have at the time. You know, when someone tells me they're restless, irritable, discontent, they've been through the steps, they're living in 10, 11, and 12, I ask them what does that mean, and they can't even describe 10 and 11, and often they tell me they're too busy to sponsor, so you're not living in 10, 11, and 12. And I've got some bad news for you guys. Meetings don't treat compulsive overeating. The tools will support us, but it's the steps that's going to change us. And once again, my opinion, my pet peeve is this, you know, I've been in world service and we're always trying to add more tools. But when that tool plan of action came on, I hated it. Because what I heard was, oh, I have to go to the dentist to treat my teeth. I have to do a certain amount of exercise. We have one plan of action in a 12-step program, and that is the 12 steps. If you are not working the 12 steps, you're not using a plan of action, and you're not treating the true illness of our disease, which is the mental obsession. So just to kind of review, one and two are simply conclusions. Three is a decision to go on with the rest of the steps. In step four, we just finished describing, it's basically reflection and prayer. So step five, we're, out, we're going out of the house now. We haven't had to interact with anybody at this point if you think about it. We're going to have to go out there. So this chapter here is going to actually do steps five through 11. The pace is going to pick up. So if we look at the doctor's opinion through page 60, which says we're making a decision, so steps one and two is 71 pages. And from page 60 to page 89, we are doing steps 3 through 11. So in 29 pages, we're going to do steps 3 through 11. That's a lot of action. That's a lot of movement. And if we try to sit in steps 1 and 2, or we try to work a 12-step program by only working the tools, my experience and what the book is telling me is that I am going to continue to eat over and over and over. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim G. Bella, Kelly, we G. don't hear you. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. My name is Bella G, and I am a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Wow, such a wonderful, wonderful meeting today. Having made our personal inventory, what shall we do about it? Wow, for me, it's a huge step because... Before the program, I, I had a huge ego without trusting myself. My life was based on judging and blaming without having license to be a judge. You know, I, I wanted a wonderful, peaceful life without knowing who I am. I went into a war and I didn't know with what I am going to fight. I didn't believe I have something to give, to share, 
I didn't believe that I can get something for you because my goal was to prove that I am perfect. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. I am not there anymore. And today, by leaving the steps, wow, so now I have responsibilities. Oh, so now I did my inventory, and I am responsible of myself. I starting to trust myself, and it didn't come in one way, in one day. I was working on this by doing the steps, my, the first step, by knowing that I am, like Monica said, 100% absolutely powerless, and it's not a punishment. It's because I am human, and this is the way that God created me, and this is the way that God wants me to be, to accept that I am 100% powerless, and not only me, you too. And then step two and step three, to accept that there is a higher power. And for me, this higher power is God. And God loves me, and he trusts me, even though with my character defect. And then on step, on step four, when I listed, I wrote down my character defect. And, wow, yes, it wasn't easy. It was maybe painful. But, wow, now I am responsible. I can do the job by myself. Yes, I can trust my cleaning job. And now... What shall I do with my inventory? Now it's my responsibilities. I have the power to choose what to do with this. Because today <clears throat> I am connected not to my own ego power. Today I am connected to the real, absolutely loving, accepting power. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Oh, Bella, thank you so much. Irini, it's your turn, and Lynn S., you'll be up next. Thank you, Sally. Thank you for your service. Good morning, my spiritual brothers and sisters. My name is Irini M., and I'm a very grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. Always giving credit where credit is due. Into action. I looked up the word action, and it says it's a process of doing something, therefore. Um, it's, we, we must, it's a process of doing something. So it's telling us that we must meet God halfway. That's all, just halfway. To do our part, and God will bless us. In all, in all our affairs, in all of our problems. It's, um, it says here, we have admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our defects. Admitted. Where did we see that word admitted? In step one. And we see it again in step five. And it talks about um, being honest. And step five is... The principle is integrity. 
And I looked that up, and it said the quality of being honest and having strong moral principles. It's the state of being whole and undivided. Wow. We were divided in step when we came into step one. We were isolated. And um, now we're becoming into union. We're, we're trying to live in an authentic, genuine way. And um, to be in union with ourselves, with God, and with others. And it's all about being honest and truthful, to live in our true self. And that's where God resides. And not to feed into our false self, where, ego, where our ego is. So I couldn't breathe when I was in my false self. It was only when I started to live in my true self. By living in the truth and being honest always sets us free. So I have and work two food plans. My first food plan is my physical nourishment that I need for my body. And the second food plan is my spiritual nourishment, and that is God, and that is you, And you, my fellows, this is how by acting out the steps into action is really living the steps. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Irini. And Lynn S. Good morning. This is Lynn S. from Toronto, Canada, a recovering compulsive overeater. I've just been reflecting on step five and the difference that it has made in my life, and it happened in steps. It didn't happen all at once. Where I think I stayed for a while, a long while, was we had admitted certain defects. We had ascertained in a rough way what the trouble is. We have put our finger on the weak items in our personal inventory. And I had no trouble admitting that to God. And I had no trouble telling myself about it. Yeah, yeah, I did this, I did that, you know, and yes, I'm, I'm this kind of person and that kind of person. And I had no trouble admitting it to another person. But the problem was it didn't go deeper for me. I stayed in the ascertained in a rough way what the trouble was. And I had my finger on my weak spots. And, you know, I admitted certain defects. And that went on for a long, long time until it finally sunk in with me. It finally did, and it was the hardest ever when, when it finally sunk in with me that, Lynn, you lie. You lie all the time. And one of the biggest lies that I told myself was that um, this woman had broken up the relationship between my father and myself. But that wasn't true at all. With the truth, and I could tell you, and I, this went on for years, I could give you chapter and verse on how she did it, and I could show you every example, and I would wail and moan on the phone with people and tell them all this was happening. But I was the one who said I wouldn't go in the house when she was there. I'm the one who broke it up. And it, it, it was interesting. And when these truths about myself finally hit home, it it was... It was a real quiet, grounding experience, and it just went to my heart. That's the best way I can explain it. And, and 
it was these particular moments where I really got to know myself and I could really see my character defects, the impact they had on others and on me, and then I could move forward and do something about it. I am so grateful for the process that we have outlined in the big book. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much, Lynette. I'm going to have Esther go ahead and read for us this next paragraph, which, of course, we'll return to tomorrow and share more in depth on. But I would love to hear Esther share on the second paragraph on page 72 and, and share her thoughts on that paragraph. Esther? Okay, good morning. My name is Esther C. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Canada. This is perhaps difficult, especially discussing our defects with another person. We think we have done well enough in admitting these things to ourselves. There is doubt about that. In actual practice, we usually find a solitary self-appraisal insufficient. Many of us thought it necessary to go much further. We will be more reconciled to discussing ourselves with another person when we see good reasons why we should do so. The best reason first, if we skip this vital step, we may not overcome drinking. Time after time, newcomers have tried to keep to themselves certain facts about their lives. Trying to avoid this humbling experience, they have turned to easier methods. Almost invariably, they got drunk. Having persevered with the rest of the program, they wondered why they fell. We think the reason is that they never completed their house cleaning. They took inventory all right, but hung on to some of the worst items in stock. They only thought they had lost their egoism and fear. They only thought they had humbled themselves, but they had not learned enough of humility, fearlessness, and honesty in the sense we find it necessary until they told someone else all their life story. So why do I have to tell someone over everything that I've done on my work at Step 4, why isn't it enough, you know, for me just to have done the work? Because it would be really easy for me to deceive myself as to my true nature, you know, the same way that I I can't see my whole self unless I look into a mirror. So, too, in order for me to come face-to-face with who I really am, I need to share my inventory with another person who then can reflect back to me you know, the truth of who I am. If you remember back in the previous chapter, it tells us that what we need to do is to grasp and develop a manner of living which demands rigorous honesty. So I have to be completely honest about who I am and the way I lived and the way I will be living. Otherwise, I remain blocked from my higher power. And to be blocked from my higher power is to be left powerless and left at the mercy of, of my mental obsession. And of course, what am I going to do? I'm going to eat, and for me to eat is to die. So we began our fourth step, by ta- well, the big book says, by taking stock honestly, and now I get to continue to step five with a new level of honesty, and this is really important because my life now is going to depend on this new level of honesty, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much, Esther C., and thank you to everyone who has shared. I would like to invite you to please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following our closing this morning. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And I will ask Elaine B. to read for us a vision for you, beginning with our book is meant to be suggestive only. Thank you, Sally. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. 
God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.